Hello and welcome to Own Your Divine Light podcast. My name is Yara Atlantica Miller. This is the soul name of Janet Miller, my birth name. I also have another soul name, Isla Saruna Miller. These names were given to me through a deep spiritual process. I'm telling you this because when you listen to these different seasons, you will hear me introduce myself as Janet, Isla Sarona, and finally as Yara Atlantica Miller. I want you to know these names are all me and simply an evolution of my divine aspect. We all have been on an amazing journey to embody the divine aspects of ourselves. We have been asked to look at our light and shadow and to recognize and accept all that we are. We came onto this planet because we knew this was going to be a challenging job. That's why I created Own Your Divine Light podcast. This podcast is full of so many people who have walked their talk and shifted their lives no matter what they have been through. You will hear many ways to support you on this journey as a multidimensional being and steps you can take to becoming that divine being that you've always known yourself to be. Thank you for joining this podcast. Let's now take a deep dive in today's empowering conversation. Hi, and welcome to Own Your Divine Light Show. I am Janet Miller, and I invite you to listen to the impeccable wisdom and deep compassion of the heart of Justin Patrick Pierce, the founder of Sacred, a Los Angeles-based collective of spiritual teachers, coaches, and practitioners of the sacred arts. Justin works with select veteran and up and coming professionals to help them them master their craft and bring the work to the world as an intimacy teacher. Justin is the co-author of an Amazon best-selling book, The Awakened Woman's Guide to Everlasting Love, and the leader of transformative high and high transformative and high retreats and including the signature training Yoga of Intimacy but you lead with your life partner and you lead, sorry, and you lead with your life partner, London Angel Winters, which is a beautiful collaboration, by the way, all those books you've written together. So welcome, Justin. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you very much for having me here, Janet. It's a pleasure. Thank you. And Justin, you've been studying and practicing spiritual intimacy for nearly a decade now, and you are educating men and women on spiritual and intimate development through a unique hands-on approach. How did this start for you? It's all my partner's fault. (laughs) Love it. Um, We started dating over 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, I was always a very spiritual person as a child. I had a spiritual practice. I had been meditating for years, even as a child. I was introduced to everything very early on. But I was very inward about it. I kept it very personal, very private. I didn't share it with the world. I never thought I would. I always thought spirituality was something just for you. Mm-hmm. Didn't really share it outwardly. And I had met my current uh, wife. And um, she's now the, um, we just had a child. So now she's the mother of our child. We have a six-month-old. We just brought into this world crazy story that's a separate tangent but um it's a girl and what's her name her name is ariel beautiful oh wow that's really beautiful she's she's wonderful such a gift yeah we had a lot of complications around birth we didn't think it was going to be possible we wrote about it in our book 
okay. uh, The Awakened Woman's Guide. There's all different stories. And actually writing that book, we were convinced our door had closed. My partner is 14 years older than me, actually an older okay. woman. Really? And, and we thought our door had closed on pregnancy, birth. And the day we finished that book and turned in the final copy, she was feeling sick and she found out she was pregnant. Wow, that's fantastic. So very serendipitous and uh, yeah. interesting how that all played out. But the way I was pulled into this work was when we first met years ago, she was involved in going to these retreats and practicing sexual yoga. It's a yoga of intimacy. And when I say sexual yoga, it's not physical sex. Mm -hmm. It's learning how to relate from a spiritual or yogic orientation through our eye contact, through our posture, through our breath, to, through subtle forms of touch. So she told me all about this event and I thought, wow, that sounds ridiculous. Why would I ever go to something like that? Um, she was like, don't worry, don't worry. I'll pay for you to go. Just, just come to this thing and try it out. And I was like, all right, if you're going to pay, I guess I'll show up, whatever. And I ended up going to this environment and um, inside of the practice, these practices uh, were led by David Data. He's a spiritual teacher and author as well. He's been in the work in the world for a long time. And I began engaging in these practices and suddenly for the first time in my life, that very internal subjective experience of spirituality that I had on my own mm. suddenly became something I was sharing with the person sitting in front of me. And it was no longer subjective, that experience, that spiritual experience that I had for all of those years. And I thought I would never share with anyone. I was sharing with someone without talking about it, mm. just, just through the way we were connecting intimately in this subtle space through this specific form of instruction. And in that moment, my life had changed. Wow. I finally realized our spiritual experience is not something that needs to be stuck within us or held within us, but it can actually be something that is the bridge that allows us to connect more deeply with others, to love more deeply, to, to recognize we're not alone in any of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was introduced in that moment. The facilitators really appreciated the way me and my partner showed up. So they invited us back again and again and again. Eventually we were assisting. Then we began teaching. Then I began, um, I was an assistant teacher, manager working with David for years. Wow. Um, and then London and I had gone on our own several years ago and released our own book and have been carrying on the work and our own variation of it, built on a lot of the fundamental practices that are what really is the yoga of intimacy or the art of sacred sexuality in our Western culture. Mm. Yeah, that's, it's a whole different type of uh, study of yoga than I'm familiar with. I mean, the way you're talking about it, I've taken yoga over the years long time and then but not to this particular way of practicing yoga it sounds amazing and it sounds so wow it's like we should all be there we should all be doing it <laughs> we all need to be doing this right now and um yeah i love that you you know you said how it opened up your the subjectivity was gone i mean that is so true i mean you're so you were so ready then obviously you know it was there for you to share now and and it you were ready. 
the teacher appears when the student is there. The student is ready when the, and the teacher appears for you. That's what happened to you. And um, a beautiful thing. And, you know, that's what I'm doing with this show. Because for me, owning your divine light is exactly what you're saying. You're, you're owning it, but yet you're still sharing it with people. And we're, we're helping others to learn that they do have a divine light and that they can own their divine light. And that's what you're doing with your sacred intimacy and the sacred yoga and the intimacy with the sacred yoga it's it's really it's really beautiful it's, it just feels so ooh, very very um deep intimate and um rich very rich it certainly so, is yeah so um and so you talk about your, your relationship is the best spiritual practice you've got can you tell us more about what that means because i love that that's a great sentence yeah, London and I had actually given a talk on this subject. Um, and what it's really referring to is that, you know, today we have a number of different people in our lives, whether we have coaches or friends or certain individuals and gurus, even teachers in our spiritual relationship with them. We really do have a choice of what we're willing to let them see. We, we really say what we want them to say. Hey, I'm stuck with this. Hey, this is going on. Here's my perspective of this. When we get in an intimate relationship with someone who's around us all the time, going to bed with them, waking up with them, being in the, sharing a bathroom, sharing meals with them, day after day, they see it all. They see who we really are. Not the, not the posture that we show up to all of these beautiful events and all of our coaches wanting them to see us as, even if we give them vulnerably, at least there's still, there's still a degree to that experience is our curated self. An intimate relationship, we lose that privilege pretty quickly. Maybe after six months or so, those walls start to come down and then it's our naked selves. <clears throat> and our intimate partners, the better matched we are, the more likely they are to trigger us, to challenge us, to challenge our childhood wounds. All of that wounding that attracts us to us are the same things that kind of make us want to explode at one another and, and, and argue and fight. They're the same things. That's one of the pieces we learn in the yoga is those things that repel you about your partner are actually the other side of the coin you're really attracted to. But it takes time to realize how that's true and it takes time to learn how to work with that. Sure. So when we're willing to continue to stay in relationship with an intimate partner, mm -hmm. it does become the greatest spiritual practice we have because our intimate partner is going to reflect to us our own areas of closure, our own areas of collapse that we ourselves are unaware of or afraid to look at. They're going to, they're going to be there to reflect that. And the yoga teaches us how to show up to those moments and learn how to love through our closures. Mm -hmm. There's amazing practices out there that allow us to go inside and work with our closures, whether we do it through forms of meditation, forms of therapy, forms of inner solo work. And all of that works really important to go in and work on ourselves. What this body of work uniquely provides is the technology for you to go deeply into yourself, find that wound, and to not be there alone whatsoever. Mm 
but to find that closure, to find that kink, to find that area where you're closed around love. And then it becomes the thing that you relate from, that you love from. It, so wherever you're feeling hurt around something or you feel vulnerable to share something or you want to cry or you feel anger in your body rather than closing into the emotion and going inside of yourself you learn how to bring that emotion staying connected through eyes through breath through your body not holding or hiding any aspect of what's truly in you there's no pretending here you allow that to come through. And what happens in that moment, if two beings are willing to stay present through that, there's profound access to love. And on the other side of that love is intimacy and polarity can be found. But we only are able to continue loving deeper and being attracted to our intimate partner when we're capable of showing up in relationship through our own closures. That's the art form. And the yoga is the technology that teaches us the skills to do that. Wow. So you're, to, when you say closures, that's sort of like your wounds. Is that what you're saying? It's kind of like another word for wounds. And um, yeah, that's, that's really, um, that's such a truth what you're saying. I mean, I found with my husband and I, I mean, we've been together 43 years. So we've been through a lot of what you're saying. And I got sober when I was, uh, we were married, oh gosh, we'd already been married about 10, 12 years more. And um, I had children later. So uh, when I was going for the th first three years of it, it was very difficult. And I said, you know, it's life or death for me. I have to stay in this. And, and he was there. He never left, but it was tough. Oh my gosh, was that tough. And um you know, we, we really worked through so much. So mm -hmm. what you're talking about, that intimacy and that being willing to, you know, well, you're doing it in the yoga, but we did it that way. But, you know, you're doing it somehow in your life with your authentic partner, whoever that person is, you're doing it. And um, it was huge for me. And for him too, it was life-changing because I knew he was there for me, lifetime partner. Because I'd go to a meeting and people would say, you know, you're really lucky your husband's still with you. And I'd be like, what? You know, what do you mean by that? You know, I'm a good person, even though I had, you know, I have this issue, you know, this disease. I, you know, I'm working to get, you know, to, to overcome it. And he'd be, most men would leave. A lot of men leave, you know, not every man, but a lot of men. And um, he didn't, he never did. He stuck it out. He was with me. I mean, you know, it was great. It was amazing. And we've just grown and grown and grown. And, you know, as you say, it's that rocky road. It's that fine line that you're always walking with that partner. That's the one that's the true authentic partner, because it's like they say, love and hate is like right there. You're like right there. It you can cross that yeah. line so easily. And um, you have to look at it and rein it in a little sometimes and go, okay. I mean, you give it your all sometimes and you pull back and go, uh oh, what did I do? Let's not do that again. That's not a good idea. And then we, we learn, we learn, don't we, as we do those things. And that's what you're teaching in your yoga and your spiritual intimacy. Of course. It's a beautiful thing because people now in, in the um, relationship world, like younger people, I mean, a lot of people, not just younger, all ages, people are not valued. <coughs> like they used to and it's and for the longevity to work through what you're saying nobody wants to do that lots of people don't want to do that so it's like it's like the throwaway society let's throw away the relationship 
you know? And um, you're saying how powerful it is to stay in it and to do it and to walk the walk and to, to release it all together. It's, it's just so, it's so powerful. And this is a beautiful practice. So um, I know you, uh, you have core practices and um, you talk about your work as a practice where practicality through embodiment is prioritized over theory. And this is, this is a lot, that's a, that's a mouthful. Can you explain that? Because that's it's it's beautiful, but I'd love to hear it from like words. Plain talk. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> well, we could sit here and we can talk about what's attractive, what makes a relationship work, and what it means to be in relationship or love somebody. Mm -hmm. But it means nothing. Mm -hmm. It it it's it's paper thin. Okay. It's not sufficient on its own because who's to say that what we're saying right now is correct. So what we do in the yoga of intimacy, it is a true laboratory where you engage with another and you find out what love is. You let go of all your preconceived notions about what you think is sexy, what you think is intimacy, what you think love is. You let go of your belief that you know how someone needs to be loved. Because in truth, after a decade of study and practice, what I am most certain of is that I have no idea how to love another human being. I have no clue how to love anybody. That becomes apparent to us. But what the practice teaches us is that if we stay present with the moment and we become aware of how every breath, how our posture, how our movements, how every word is impacting the person that we're relating to, then in real time, their body will show us what love is. Their body will show us when they are opening into a kind of love and when they're contracting and not feeling comfortable around us. But what is required, the training that is required to find that place is to become still, to really feel another human being in front of you. And that's hard for a lot of people just to be willing to sit without crossing your arms or crossing your body, connecting, looking into another person's eyes and then breathing with them. That's foreign and alien to most people in the world. Most of us never get that intimate. And just to allow our bodies to go into the experience and say, whoa, how does this make me feel? And then you feel in you, I'm scared. This doesn't feel good. This is uncomfortable. This is weird. No, where's my phone? Let me text. Really? <laughs> Let me text about this experience and how uncomfortable yeah. it is right now. <clears throat> Rather than just being in the discomfort of what's here. Mm -hmm. So when we show up to the moment and let go of theory and expectations of what we think we need to be, what we think that person needs, mm -hmm. and we start paying attention to what's true, does this person actually need me to say another word? Mm -hmm. Or do they need me to be silent right now and just breathe them so they could feel that my breath is connected with theirs. And maybe that's the most presence they've felt in months or years from somebody. And something becomes available for them. A new emotion arises. And now maybe I want to touch 
-hmm. and I reach out to touch. And if that person, their eyes kind of open and their body opens and they say, yes, touch. I know it's the right thing. We've deepened in our intimacy. We've deepened in love. But if that person, as soon as you reach out, they go, that's the wrong thing. That's not what they needed in that moment. So what I mean by that is, of course, there's tons of theory and ideas about what love is, and we speak on that topic. But when the rubber hits the road, and you've got two human beings who are in a fight, are thinking about divorce, have just met, are unsure about moving forward together, and you put those two human beings together, and you discover, you explore what is intimacy. What is it that this person really needs to feel loved, to be loved? And each partner bringing that thing to that person selflessly. We stop relating from the place of, well, I guess I'll give you that if you give me this. Well, if she does this, then I'll do that. Or if he first does this and he stops being so untrustable, then I'll be willing to open to him and give him intimacy. And we have a stalemate. There's, there's nothing anyone can do to that relationship. So the yoga teaches us to become present with our partner, make ourselves available. And then it takes, we need to be evolved enough to be willing to go beyond our closures, our resistances in love, and show up in such a way that truly is an attempt, our best attempt, the best that we have, to serve the person in front of us, to remind them their love, to make them feel loved in the way they would need to feel loved, to let them feel intimacy and a depth of connection in the way that they would need to feel it. And what we discover is that it's not what we would want. That's kind of part of the revelation is what they would need is not what we would need, right? So, so we serve them and then we learn how to also be served and receive love. So we're learning how to give love selflessly and we're learning how to receive love selflessly. And we're not just talking about it, we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how you put that because people always look at the way they want it, that this is how I can do it, but it's not like you're saying, then they're not aware that the other person, it's not working for them. That's not the way it works for them. And um, so you're talking about like, this is getting onto your polarity in a relationship and how can learning about it save a, a relationship? How do we, let's, let's talk a little about that because that's fascinating. It is fascinating. So there's the polarity piece in this conversation, which is a big component. A lot of relationship coaches and teachers talk about masculine, feminine, in the context of polarity. Uh, one of my primary mentors, David Data, was kind of like a figurehead. He's like the father of uh, modern masculine, feminine polarity in the Western world. <clears throat> so this is paramount to the conversation and people interpret it in different ways. And in our book, the way that London and I present polarity is there's three ways we're always relating to our partner. Three ways we're always relating to our partner. So we're, in, as individuals, we're either alpha or omega in any moment. So you're either alpha or omega in any moment. Mm -hmm. So the way we define alpha is whether you're a man or woman doesn't matter because in our culture today, everyone's cultivating these skills. Mm -hmm. 
That's the difference. It's different than it was in the 30s, 40s, 50s, so on. Yeah. With women's lib, with the revolutions that have occurred in this country, women finding strength and power, taking positions of leadership, earning money. Right now, women under 35, there's more women graduating from college, more women going to college, more women are getting their... Um, uh, becoming lawyers, more women are becoming doctors. Mm. That younger demographic, that's already happening uh, across the country. So to continue calling those embodiments and those ways of being masculine isn't entirely correct because we're seeing a kind of human being today that's mm. able to transcend that gender role. Mm. That's capable of being the embodiment of both. And that's why London and I utilize these words, alpha and omega. Even London herself, she was an Emmy award-winning producer. Um, she was a top sales rep. She had a lot of these skills in her life. And when you look at the lens for masculine and feminine, first you'd be like, well, I'm ashamed of my masculine. I don't want to be masculine. How can I be more feminine in relationship to make me more lovable? So you find people trying to not be so masculine anymore. And it's a shame because Women work hard to cultivate that gift and they're good at it. They're great at it. Just as good as any, any other human being can be. So in our work, London and I empower every individual to know the full spectrum of self for women to exercise and practice their alpha and practice omega. And for men, not to just that omega side of things, that omega side of things, traditionally the feminine, is going to be a heart-centered way of orient. Are you still with me? Yeah, we kind of, you kind of froze. Hello, did we break up there? Yeah, uh, I lost can you, you. I can did. You, can you tell me what you, uh, what you captured? Well, I captured, you just started talking about the alpha omega and then it froze, unfortunately. So if you want to repeat it, that'd be great because um, it, we couldn't, I couldn't hear you. So Got it. it was difficult, yeah. Did I explain um, women being in their alpha and that being a good thing, cultivating yeah. the alpha? Yeah. yeah. So it's important for both men and women to cultivate these gifts of alpha leadership clarity of consciousness, the ability to bring their purpose in the world, like you're doing now with this vision that you have. It takes organization, it takes purpose, it takes clarity of vision and the ability to execute. All of those skills are alpha. And then there's the omega side, which is the side of flow, heart love, tenderness, compassion, um, expression, um, creativity, all of those elements, which men in our culture today are also cultivating mm. <clears throat> as gifts. So the problem with polarity that we have today is that we've started to break down the traditional gender roles. Mm. So women are doing traditionally masculine roles, men are doing traditionally feminine roles and so on and so forth. And the whole landscape gets kind of murky. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with this is that in the principle of polarity, opposites attract and likes what? They repel. They repel, exactly. So when it comes to intimacy and sacred sexuality, if you're both in alpha, you're sexually going to repel from one another. 
Gotcha. If you're both in omega, you're sexually going to repel from one another. Oh, it requires one of you to be an alpha and one of you to be an omega to be intimately turned on and attracted by one another. <clears throat> so when we learn how to do this, what is it that makes you show up as alpha? So you go to your job, you go to the office, you're telling people what to do, you're doing tasks, you come home and you're still in task mode. You know, you're in go mode. <clears throat> if you want to be penetrated or received by your man, let's say, a woman goes home and she's been working all day and she goes home and she would just love to surrender into the arms of a conscious present man. Well, if she's still in work mode and alpha mode, go mode, when she gets home, he's not going to feel drawn to penetrate that. She's already penetrating in the world. She's already in go mode. He's going to feel she's good. She's got it. She doesn't need me. And there's no opening for me to be intimate with her whatsoever. Wow. So alpha alpha repels because if he's in an alpha state too it doesn't work so in the yoga we learn to be mindful of what energy are we in and in the book we talk about this in depth so you can identify what energy am i in what does it look like and what do i do about it how do i bring polarity back and bring heat back to the dynamic such that there's sexual polarity happening at all times whether we're fighting whether we're in a new relationship, whether we're moving, whether we're thinking about divorce, whether we've been together for a decade, this principle applies across the board. So you can have deep intimacy so long as you understand what pole are you in and what would you need to do to create polarity? Wow. As long as we're willing to ask ourselves that question and then do what would be needed to create polarity, we can have polarity no matter how long we've been with someone. Mm. It's just physics. The question is, or the issue is, most people need to be pretty willing mm. yes. to change the way they're behaving in order to create more love in their lives. And that's a hard thing to find. That's why we don't see it so much. We need to get out of our habits in our own ways if we're serious about creating more intimacy in our lives. And that's what's required. And that's the hard part. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when people are um, comfortable in a relationship, I mean, you can go to a restaurant and you can just observe relationships. Cause I've done that. I'm sitting with my husband and we, Somehow we always talk. We have something to talk about. It's really great. I love that. And either he's into something new or I'm into something new. So you have something to share and it's, it's fabulous. But other people are just sitting there and they're eating and eating and they're not looking at each other. They're not talking. And I look and I, I, you just feel like this wall is up. Like they don't even want to know each other anymore. It's like, wow, I don't ever want to be like that. <laughs> You know, and so I do, you know, we work, we work for our relationship, but you know, what you're doing is, is explaining to everybody, this is what's going on and you don't understand the alpha and the omega. That is like a fantastic connection when they repel each other. Cause I was just thinking of a moment today when my husband and I were both in alpha and he's going, Whoa, with me. And I'm like, 
oh, and now I get it. And when you said that, I'm like, I really get that now because I could just see the moment in my mind. Mm -hmm. And um, I understand. Sometimes he'll go, okay, I've had enough. And that's too, many, too much alpha between the two of us. And he's had mm -hmm. enough. And um, he's like, all right, I can't hear anymore. And I'm like, okay. And I get it. That's so great. That makes so much sense. And people, we're not aware. And you have to be, you have to be willing to hear that. And you have to be willing to do the work, as you're saying. Because to make a relationship deep and intimate and special and to create the excitement, it takes work. You can't just you know, live on your laurels of like, oh yeah, we've been together this long, so what the heck, we're gonna to stay together. But that is not true anymore. People are walking out after years and years of relationship because they have not, they have not gone to this length and they have not been willing to go to this length or even to understand that they, this is what's going on. It's a lot of complacency and it's a lot of um, just being comfortable. And, and when you're comfortable, it's almost like you're dying because your life is so, it's like flatlining. You're flatlining there. So um, you've got to keep that bouncing around. You've got to keep excitement going in your life, you know? And I see friends in my life going, oh, we're getting old. And I'm like, I don't even ever think of such a thing because I have, I, my life is urgent. I want to be involved. I have things going on. I love life and I love connecting with people like you are doing with this. And those thoughts just don't come in my head. Who cares? You know, you make it what you make it. <laughs> and um, so this is, this is a beautiful learning that you're, you're sharing with us about relationships and learning that alpha and omega and, and it's, it's so special. What are you in? Are you in alpha or omega? I mean, it's such a simple knowing. And when you can see that, you step back and say, well, there I am. I'm being very alpha, you know? And then if you're omega and you're both <clears throat> omega, I mean, that's a little harder to find, but occasionally it happens. It does happen, absolutely. And um, you're like, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of, it gets boring. It's like, it's like tepid milk. It's like, you exactly. Know. <laughs> exactly. You nailed it. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Yeah. Alpha, alpha is the easiest thing is I'm in the driver's seat. Is alpha. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. in the driver's seat. Omega is I'm in the passenger seat. Yes. It, take me, you know, like exactly. <clears throat> wherever you want to go. Alpha is I'm in the driver's seat. So both of you sometimes are going to be like, I'm in the passenger seat. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Where do you want to go? Okay. Oh. Let's, let's sit on the couch and rub each other's feet. And it feels good. It's fun. It's like a sure. best friend vibe. It's mushy. Yeah. As you said, tepid milk, I think <laughs> the very perfect description. And that can be healing to a relationship. Yeah. That's the thing about London and I that's different in our work. We don't shame that or make that wrong. Mm -hmm. There are times where that way of relating is medicine for a couple. Mm, yeah. You need to just let go of the grind and just be best friends for a second. Just mush out. Just allow that. And then there's times where there's two people come together and they want to be great business partners. You know, they both have vision. They want to be powerhouse in the world. They want to get things done. That's alpha alpha. Yeah. And that can work for two people. You can be business partners with your intimate partner. But if you're stuck in business partner, if you're stuck in parent, if you're stuck in both of you being in the driver's seat, you're going to butt heads. Mm. One partner is going to be like, okay, I've had enough of that or enough of you at some point. <clears throat> 
So what we're asking for, what we teach is to be mindful in the way we're showing up. Mm -hmm. And when we want to do create that degree of polarity, mm -hmm. one partner gets into the driver's seat and says, hop in, we're going to dinner. And the other one goes, sounds great. Let me get, <clears throat> let me get dressed. You know, let me get ready. Right. And then yeah. suddenly uh, a very beautiful spark starts to reemerge. Mm -hmm. That requires breaking our habitual ways of relating yes. and being willing to turn those on when the moment calls for it. And we can do that day after day. Uh, one example for me and my partner I want to share with you guys is it's just so simple. I'll walk into the kitchen during a work day because we work at home. And she's on her computer just working, working, working. I can see she's in alpha mode. And I could see, you know, like, okay. So I'll stand in the kitchen and I'll be, you know, maybe 10 feet away from her. And I'll say, hey, get over here. And she'll, yeah, <laughs> she'll look at her computer and she'll be like, what? Get over here. Uh, that's good. That's and good. <laughs> now, now, if she goes, no, I'm busy, there's no intimacy. Right, right. But she doesn't do that because we're in a practicing relationship. So she looks and she goes, okay, I've got something to do, but intimacy is worth this five second break mm -hmm. to create Absolutely. something. So she goes, okay. And she yeah. walks towards me. Mm -hmm. I pull her close. I let her feel my breath against her belly. Mm -hmm. I hold her for a moment. And then I say, get back to work. <laughs> and then I let her go. And then the moment's done. Now that can take 15 seconds in the middle of a day. But what we teach is when you know that technology, you can playfully bring that into your relationship three times a day, five times a day. And then by the time you get to bed, there's a little, there's like a pilot light uh -huh. is on. <laughs> so if you want to turn the flame up, you can. Yes. <clears throat> And if you don't, you don't need to. You can just let right. the pilot light go. But what people do is they let the pilot light go out and they get in bed and they go, I have no idea how to get this thing lit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they go, how do we even start this? You know, like, yeah. forget it. <laughs> but what we teach in the most simple way is that you don't have to live that life. You can live the life with the pilot light on and all it takes is just these small mini interactions with your intimate partner day to day, being aware of how you're showing up and bringing just a taste of polarity, just a taste of play to the dynamic mm -hmm. such that when you do want to really go deep in intimacy, it's there. Mm -hmm. Whether you're 10 years, 20 years into a relationship or just a few months, yep. that's the magic ticket. It is. It is absolutely the magic ticket. I, I can tell you, I, I see that in my own relationship when I, I'm out of my, when I'm very mindful, we do those things. And I'm like, this is really cool. We can do that. We, we can do that. So, and, you know, I love that you're saying that because it's making me feel like, okay, we're on the right track because <laughs> it feels good anyway, you know? So that's what it's all about. Be happy in what you're in. And if you're happy in your relationship and you feel, you know, you've got, like you said, the intimacy is a well, it's like an, it's a, it's a feeling of, it's sort of a safety net in a way yet, but yet it's also, you've worked for that. You've worked hard to develop that. And it's, it's something that you've earned over this, 
time in a way that because you've given so much to make this relationship so beautiful and to create that intimacy it's it's beautiful it really is it's really special so um you get you just gave us an example of how to uh create the uh the polarity so and and that's re and reversing it how to, is how would you do that is that similar or how would we do that reversing the polarity well, typically we don't need to teach how to reverse polarity too much because most of us, that's our habit. <laughs> most of us are destroying polarity, including us, you know, like we are just, at, what, what do we call it? Um, in the book, we have a, um, a chapter, polarity killers, the nine top polarity killers that all of us do. And it's just a list inside of the book. Um, so the truth is, we're almost all, you know, killing polarity. Oh yeah. oh yeah. And then learning how to stop doing that and then start turning it on is really the, um, the yeah. core of the work. Yeah. Just to understand that you're killing polarity and what polarity really is doing, you know, to get it back is so essential yeah. to any relationship to keep that pilot light going, as you're saying, to keep yeah. it going. It's yeah. the whole thing about keep your life viable and, and vital and lively and loving and all of that. Absolutely. That's, yeah, it's beautiful. So thank you for that, Patrick. That, this, is, this is really good information for relationships of all ages, for all of us to be aware of. And I'm going to be a grandmother, which is so awesome. Congratulations. First time ever. And my son is having uh, his first at the end of this year, uh, July. So I'm very excited. So congratulations! I'm so happy for you too that you have one, and I'm gonna have a little one eventually. I don't know what it is. It's all gonna be a surprise. So we're not we're not allowed to know yet. So they don't know either. So it's kind of cool. So I'm so happy for you with Ariel. Thank you. Name. So I know you have a generous free gift that you're offering. Would you like to tell the audience about it? Yes. So if you go to the website, awakenedwomansguide.com, and you subscribe to our newsletter on there, we are going to be sending out. So from the day this airs, for that week, if you sign up and register for our email list on Awakened Woman's Guide, we're going to be sending you a free PDF uh, ebook version of the Awakened Woman's Guide. Ooh, wow. So, so that's complimentary. You'll get the ebook version e sent to you if you sign up for our newsletter um, from the 30th through the 7th. Fantastic. Thank you so much. That's a fantastic gift. So, um, Justin, is there anything that you have as a message for 2019 that you think people need to hear? I mean, you've told us a lot. Is there anything that you can laser, laser tell us about that you feel is so important for this year? Is to really always see the opportunity to be in relationship with the moment with whoever's around to a willingness to not contract, to not judge, to not fall into jealousy, to not fall into anger, to not fall into these thoughts of, am I loved? Does this person lovely, love me? What is this person going to do for me before I'm willing to love them? All of those ways of relating that are inwardly and waiting to love, waiting to be in relationship to simply notice when those moments come up and instead feel outwards 
Look into the person's eyes who's in front of you. Breathe deeply into your body. Be in relationship with the moment, with the people in front of you, the people around you, and that's it. I believe that's the medicine for, for all of us. It's a beautiful medicine, and it's such an easy one to take once you realize that you need that medicine and that it's going to change your life. <laughs> it's going to change every relationship that you have. It's going, to, it's going to change you. I mean, you're totally inside out. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Thank you so much. So I would love our audience to give feedback on all the ways that you experience the show. And we love your comments. I always will share them with Justin and whatever we hear. And I always answer back as often as I can. We've been getting some amazing feedback from you all. So thank you for all your love and, and energy you're sending back to us with this beautiful uh, uh, experiences that you're enjoying through the show and through Justin's moments here with us. And um, thank you again, Justin, for being la the laser divine light of sacred relationships, because I feel like you are so laser focused. You've got it. It's so beautifully clear for people to understand when they're willing and helping people move forward and helping them to unlock their passions, ignite their authenticity, and finally create the lives they love. Your work is so powerful and needed, Justin. Thank you so much. Thank you again. And uh, I am Janet Miller, and this is the final episode of Own Your Divine Light series for this series. And I just want to say... We have a replay starting so that uh, you'll be able to see Justin again, as well as everybody else on May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. And if you've missed any of the shows, they're available to view then and also available for purchase at a very special price, which you'll see uh, coming in down the line. And you can view the show at your leisure doing that and truly soak in all the wisdoms of what you just heard tonight and everyone, anyone else that you felt drawn to. So thank you all. And... I will see you in the next series. Thank you, Justin. Thank, Thank you so much. Pleasure, Jenna. So wonderful. Hello again. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you did, please remember to leave a review. This helps us gather ideas on how else we can improve our content so we can provide you the best experience as you tune in with us. Before I let you go, I want to let you know that as an energy facilitator and divine light mapper, I am here to guide you in discovering your soul's purpose in this ongoing new paradigm shift. When you're ready to discover your soul's purpose, book a divine light mapping session with me to gain understanding of your soul's journey. You may also book a Solex AO scan session with me to harmonize your mind, body, and spirit. We'll take a look at your signature blueprint, which we all emit with energy, frequency, and vibration. And with this information you gain, you will surely leave here empowered to take charge of your sovereign body. When you're ready to book a session and to learn more about our current events, promos, and services, please visit ownyourdivinelight.com. Thank you again for participating in our podcast. Our journey to 5D continues. Thank you.